Welcome to the Baker Tilly U.S. podcast, an online community developed to connect you to our partners and leaders across the globe. Subscribe today to continue discovering new and unique ways that Baker Tilly can enhance or protect your value as we discuss timely, relevant, and impactful topics. Our current series is specific to contractors. In this podcast, we will respond to the unique ways coronavirus is affecting the construction industry by speaking with Baker Tilly Practice Group leaders. We'll discuss practical construction guidance to help you through the next several weeks and to prepare your business and employees to come back strong in the future. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Building Resilience, our Baker Tilly podcast series addressing strategies for contractors to adapt, respond, and prepare for the rebound. I am Courtney Davison, a senior manager and CPA with Baker Tilly's construction practice based in Tysons, Virginia. And I am Laura Cataldo, a senior consulting manager with Baker Tilly's construction and real estate practice based in Madison, Wisconsin. We're delighted to have our colleagues, Tony Ullman and Jim Miller joining us today to discuss the importance of defining a harm statement. Tony Ullman is a partner with Baker Tilly and leads the construction risk practice for the firm. Tony has more than 20 years of experience in the construction industry, providing risk management, project controls, and operations consulting services to owners, operators, and contractors. Also joining us is Jim Miller, a senior manager with Baker Tilly who has more than 30 years of construction experience both in construction company operations management and construction consulting, nationally and internationally, focusing on risk advisory, construction auditing, and dispute resolution. Courtney and I have a number of questions about developing a harm statement that Tony and Jim will help us understand. Tony, Jim, thank you for joining us. You have been developing information for our clients on developing a harm statement. Can you explain what a harm statement is and why it is especially important today? Thanks, Laura. Uh, A harm statement is is an inventory of past and expected future costs resulting from a company's COVID-19 response. Uh, The construction industry today uh, has had a a mixed response to to COVID-19. We've seen some very terrific uh, field activities as far as great hygiene, uh, excellent education, uh, but many states have yet to see the uh, actual impact to the bottom line that we expect to see COVID-19 having in the future. So some of the costs associated with pandemic response, such as the added cost of employees working from home or additional job site meetings uh, are only now beginning to surface. Additionally, uh, putting together an inventory, it's almost like putting together the business plan for how your company is going to be reacting and changing to all of the new rules and regulations for pandemic prevention. So your inventory should include not only the costs that you've incurred, but the negative events that are impacting your business and the corresponding financial forecast. The harm statement is an important proactive documentation tool that may be used to defend how your business was harmed during this pandemic event. Furthermore, by planning ahead and documenting the negative costs and events that you are experiencing, 
will help ensure that your statement is a comprehensive picture of your business and the COVID-19 impact to your organization. Thank you, Tony. Now, I have a couple of contractor clients that received PPP loans, and they're wondering whether or not they should return the funds. Would a harm statement be effective in providing documentation that their business was negatively impacted by COVID-19? There are a lot of factors that are going into this. Um, Jim's going to go into some of the details on the documentation factors, but something that's really important that we, we uh, include here this afternoon is, is your harm statement is not a, an all-inclusive document that's going to guarantee that you do not have to return your PPP funds. Um, so really the harm statement is only a proactive tool to help document your business story. That's helpful, Tony. And now what are the costs that contractors should be documenting? Should they also include unreimbursable costs? We want to capture all of the costs associated with a company's response to the pandemic. Beginning with the job site, the statement should include your impact to labor costs, things like shift premiums, hazard pay, uh, additional crews, and additional supervision. Uh, this is not an all-inclusive statement. We're, we're just trying to share with you an example or, or two. Uh, they, 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 other costs from the job, uh, outside of the job site um, beyond labor, you may see changes in construction material premiums. Uh, some of the things that we're starting to see around the country uh, are the, the long-term impacts of, of global sourcing. Uh, as the global supply chain is beginning to feel the impact of COVID-19, we expect to see a trickle-down effect of impacting the construction industry. Uh, so some of the construction materials, equipment that's manufactured offshore, uh, are likely to have a project impact as well. Then there are the actual things happening day-to-day -day on the job site, things like hygiene stations and employee health monitoring. So these are just things happening daily at the job site. And let's not ignore the fact that we also have to look at our back office. Um, here's where we want to be documenting the work from home costs, additional technology investments and extra services like Zoom or Teams that companies are using every day today. Um, we, we have only captured the current state of costs at this point. So a well thought out statement should also include the future costs of the program. How are things going to change? Will social distancing become the standard at the job site? Is that going to add time to a construction schedule? Additional regulatory compliance? Employee training? And how about potentially even employee tracking? Uh, today, we usually only see RFID employee tracking at really big jobs, but are we going to have to see things like RFID on employees um, on smaller jobs so that we can be monitoring and complying with the regulatory, the new regulatory rules for social distancing and crew size management. Uh, it becomes easy to see that this list grows quickly, uh, as will all of the associated impact costs. These costs are going to be incurred by either the owner of the project, the developer, or the contractor, and they need to be planned for in your harm statement. Business owners need to consider all aspects of their business the front office, new business development, administrative support, as well as field operations. So Courtney, when you're looking at that big picture, um, you can't just look as it reimbursable or unreimbursable. It's the entire cost picture 
because it's a collaborative event between an owner and a contractor, and it's going to be a shared solution on who paid for those costs, but ultimately someone is going to have to pay for them. Um, so as each business puts together their harm statement, they need to be telling their story. That's really helpful information for contractors, Tony. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about costs related to workforce management. We know that workforce disruption has resulted in significant impact to project costs, training needs, quality and safety. What have you seen in the market that contractors should be considering related to workforce management and harm statement? Uh, yeah, so what we've seen is there really is no set standard uh, on what costs are included in a harm statement or uh, what are impacting projects. It, this is all new to everybody. Um, I think as, as companies and, and contractors progress during the, this, this pandemic, you know, they're identifying these costs and are trying to capture them as they're incurring those. But what we can say is we've got a lot of good ideas that are that we feel um, are costs that should be captured or included in your harm statement uh, that contractors should be following. And certainly these are items that would help in, in tracking uh, tracking these costs. Anyway, additional safety labor charges and due to COVID-19, you could track accelerated labor. The Stacking of trades, and this is where trades are impacted by being put in confined or, or smaller spaces. A bonus pay for employees that are working during this time period, productivity losses, material deliveries that are impacted due to shortages, product substitutions, where certain products that are not going to be manufactured or that could impact the schedule have to be substituted at, at, at some cases an additional cost. Uh, limited crew sizes for, for some of the subcontractors that are in the critical path. So even though your staff is uh, progressing or, or able to do the work, someone beside you or working in front of you isn't able to keep the schedule so you have impact uh, costs associated with that. So as we see, we are, there are many, many different things out there that are, are that have an impact on the uh, contractor's costs. And as we you know, have said throughout this, the documentation is not, is not the only answer, but it certainly will assist in any recoveries of uh, the costs that are incurred by contractors. Thank you, Jim. And I know that um, you and Tony prepared a handout to go along with this podcast. It does itemize a lot of those um, costs that contractors should be documenting. So that's a great list of costs that have already been incurred on projects. But we know that COVID-19 has impacted many projects and likely contractors backlog. Is there anything that contractors should be considering related to impact on future revenue? Oh, there certainly is. And I, I think when we look at future, we also have to look at, at the whole future operation. Uh, I think short to midterm, it's it's a pretty fair statement that uh, we're going to see backlog erosion. Uh, many projects that were coming from uh, public sector funding streams that were driven by sales tax revenue, by hospitality tax revenue, 
uh, are currently going to be uh, reevaluated and potentially deferred until a later date. Uh, those are the kinds of projects that have to do with convention centers and hotels, um, as well as, as restaurants. Uh, projects like uh, student housing, uh, lecture halls, higher education, uh, that stream of projects are, again, uh, we're looking at an industry that's going to be rethinking its entire uh, delivery mechanism to students and are they going to need the same brick and mortar that they did before. Uh, so, so contractors are going to need to be looking at uh, not only where is their revenue going to come from because some of the markets that have been strong for the last seven, eight, nine years may not have the same opportunities as they've uh, had in the past, uh, but how are they going to be competitive and how are they going to deliver work in the future? Uh, those contractors that have strong project controls, uh, they have good documentation techniques, uh, they are strong uh, with, with their communication practices, uh, they integrate the owner closely into the process. Um, they, they aren't so much conflict avoidance, but they're collaborative in their approach. So they, that the owner uh, and the contractor are working more closely uh, in order to achieve a better outcome. Uh, as well as contractors are going to have to look at their own operations to figure out what can be eliminated or what can be done more efficiently. Because in all likelihood, we expect that there'll be some price pressure going forward. Uh, and that's likely to, to, to be um, a, a real game changer for a lot of contractors. Uh, certainly those that have been around for, for 15, 20, and 25 years, uh, they understand the ups and downs of this industry more than, uh, than many others because they've experienced it. But those that are relatively new of the last five or six years may not have seen uh, the kind of price pressures that we experienced in the past. Uh, so they'll need to look at their operations, not only the delivery side in the field, but their back office operations, and have to consider what other options are there for uh, effectively and efficiently doing billing and doing their back office accounting uh, or human resources. What kinds of outsourcing opportunities are there available to contractors uh, in order to help offset some of the costs? Can they reduce some of their fixed costs in favor of other forms of variable costs so that they are better prepared to, to address and be flexible with the marketplace that we expect to see coming in the next 12 to 24 months? Um, so, so we expect that um, back office operations will need to be leaner. Uh, we expect the contractors are going to have to be better at scheduling, um, and they're going to have to take more advantage of field operations and automation than the, perhaps they have in the past. Um, so these are going to be the things that are likely to be differentiators along with great communication and, and exceptional project management. Thank you, Tony. For our last question, are there recommended documentation practices that contractors should be adopting? Well, I think we have some definite recommendations and I think our handout has a lot of those listed, but probably the number one item that, that we see is critical 
is to segregate your cost or set up a separate cost code if you're a contractor or a project, start tracking that labor, any specific labor, any uh, specific material costs uh, that are you're incurring on the project. Um, one of the other items is we see uh, a need for, for instance, the superintendent to record any COVID-19 daily activity on the daily report so that that particular activity is done in a chron chronological order and fashion because in the world of uh, dispute resolution, uh, that that item is the number one uh, source document uh, requested in discovery because it's a chronological history of what occurred on the project. And if you had to reproduce a project uh, from the ground up, that would be a source document that would show what was what activities were being done on the job. So recording that there becomes very important. Um, but like Tony mentioned, just not on projects, uh, project sites, you have to look at your office and because that's an area that's probably the, the has the least amount of attention being spent on it and what activities are being impacted on a daily basis that you need to track your expenditures for. Uh, as an example, uh, Tony and I spoke earlier about the space size for your accounting staff. Maybe they previously worked in a uh, three or 400 square foot uh, uh, portion of your office, but with social distancing rules, you may have to expand that space to a much larger uh, square footage. So there are, there are things that people aren't really thinking through clearly that need to be looked at with a very wide open and aggressive stand because Every uh, these costs are are, are very exp very expensive, and they do build up over time. Thank you, Tony and Jim, for sharing your insights on a contractor's harm statement. If you have any questions about this topic, please contact Tony or Jim. We hope that today's Building Resilience podcast gave you additional information on strategies that contractors should be deploying right now to adapt and respond to business challenges resulting from COVID-19. We would love to hear your feedback. If you have future topic recommendations or you would like to hear a more in-depth discussion on any of the issues we identified today, please email us at build at bakertilly.com. We also encourage you to visit our Coronavirus Resource Center at bakertilly.com. Thank you, and we look forward to connecting with you. Thank you for joining us today. To receive notification when new episodes become available, please subscribe to Baker Tilly US wherever you get your podcast.